Brooklyn, though. It just there's a lot of uh, a lot of chaos. I think with this team, it, you know, this is this is my dream scenario for this team. Yeah. Uh, like the last three games, it just seems like the opposing team scores at will, and the, our defense is the primary liability. Like they either are super successful off high ball screens, uh, attacking our big guys, mm-hmm. uh, in particular Giles, or they the guards t- penetrate, yeah, or their guards are just so quick that they attack the rim, and just the ACC is loaded. Yes, I, mean, I agree with you. Ten or eleven, maybe a dozen teams make the uh, NCAA tournament, but because it's so fresh in my in my memory, uh, we stopped Wake the last three or four minutes. Like you know maybe. They were so amped up, but all the hallmark characteristics of a strong defensive team, like their Wake Forest offense is starting so far away from the basket. They they begin their offense late into the shot clock. They barely get over half court with, with 20 seconds left, and they don't get off a quality shot. Our guys stay in front of those guys, and they do it for like two or three or four minutes. It'd be great if they could do it. For 30 40 minutes because then would be a good team well like wake didn't score i mean they might have scored one time in the final four minutes they hit like it's really lucky bank the bank, the bank. oh i was just like i was like they they played when they so hit, they played defense so great that possession i mean that's that that's what great d is like you you force your opponent to to put up some hail mary with two seconds left and he banks it in i'm just like oh my gosh all that great defense i mean it's a four outer that's all yeah, the back shot yeah, that's goes probably in a little bit higher. A little bit higher. Yeah, you know, even bad basketball shots are what twenty, twenty five percent. Well, here's a, here's you know we we have three games to talk about. Yeah, you we'll want to backtrack? We'll have a two hour podcast if we get into the ins and outs of each game because they're they're all significant games. Right. Um, we kind of missed the window on it. I'm talking about Miami and NC State a little bit. I do want to talk about the games. Should we should we turn back the clock and? Try to go back to immediately after the Miami victory. Uh, well, the first thing, I'd, yeah, the first thing we should just talk about is, is the, the Wake Forest game, which ended. You want to you talk that about that first? Let's, yeah, it ended sure. a few hours ago. Sure. Uh, let's just talk about the comeback, right? Let's okay. not talk about the bad stuff. Let's talk about what happened in the last, in the second half of the game. Um, did you see? Do you? In your mind, obviously, Luke Kennard took over the game, you know, was given control of the offense or maybe took control. He had a different kind of body language. I mean, we've seen the cockiness. The head bobble, the mean mugging the camera. Yeah, but also the talking to teammates, directing traffic, uh, some great passes as well as obviously perfect, yeah. perfect shooting. Right. And, you know, got to bow down to the kid. It was an, one of the most incredible... It was 10 for 10. 10 for 10 in the second half. It was like yeah. Christian Leitner-esque. In, what was in he NCAA. from three-point range for the game? Six for six. Yeah, He's yeah. now shooting 47% from three. 47%. Right. At some point in a team meeting, somebody, <laughs> i.e. Coach K or Jeff Capel, should point at Luke Kennard and say, hey, guys, this is our best player. Well, it, Luke is our best player. Guess who shot the most times in every single game for the past 10 games, with the exception of this one. Tatum. Tatum. Tatum Jason shooting Tatum 29%. 29% from three, from three and barely over 
It seems to be 40% getting worse. From, like you can see, you can see the like he has the quote, the quote unquote it. He's he's gonna be a top five lottery pick. He's got the body. He's got the moves. He's got the. He's got all. You know, he's practiced tools. all these Kobe shots, all these Russell Westbrook shots. But he seems like a high volume Russell Westbrook type scorer who doesn't understand what a good shot is. Like all of Luke's shots, high percentage shots. So what happened tonight? Mo- most of Tatum <clears throat> shots, low percentage shots. Right. Yeah. So Tatum fouls out. With... What did you think about the officiating? Uh, well, well, yeah, let's jump to officiating in a second. Okay. Let's, let's stay on Kennard just, just so we can uh, keep it a little organized. Luke Kennard seemed to be the greatest of all time at Duke. He hasn't disqualified himself yet. Uh, him and Redick. Redick, start I mean, off. He's in the conversation with Redick in terms of being the greatest shooter. Uh, well, Redick was a well, pure uh, three-point specialist his first three years, that, yeah. and that's all he was. Luke is so much more. Leitner has an argument for being the best shooter as well, as is Dawkins. But okay. <clears throat> but in terms of three-point shooting, I haven't seen a display like this as consistently as he's done it. The high percentage shooting is incredible, but just this second-half performance has to go down in the books. And hopefully it means something. Hopefully it's not like a flash in the pan for a team that's in chaos. But It's all about our defense, I think. It's all about our defense. I think it's all about our lineup. Um, it's Which about, is how pumped? Coach K coming back. I mean, how pumped like, were you about, about this performance, though? About, the, about Luke's I mean, performance or, or our performance? I mean, we, I was most pumped by our defense the last three or four minutes of the game. I was like, if, if this team can channel that, and do that for like the majority of games instead of just in brief glimpses, then I think this team has a real shot. But if it doesn't and just allows people to score at will, like, I mean, we've had games where, <laughs> I mean, our defense is just a joke. Right, and our offense has been very awkward, partly maybe because Tatum's, you know, too ball dominant and um, doesn't have a complete understanding. Uh, you know, doesn't have enough enough control in his game. Maybe he's not healthy enough, or hasn't been playing on healthy legs for long enough to finish. I want to give him some benefit yeah, I, of the doubt I, still, I, I, but yeah, I feel like he could be much better, and and maybe he's going to be spectacular. But his sample size is is growing and growing and growing. Like he's played. Well, he's clearly not know. the high percentage shooter that a couple of the other guys are. And right. Luke Kennard's obviously the highest percentage shooter. Like he must be right. running above average. He must be running above expectation. But probably at one at what at some point in this game in the second half at a couple points, it looked like we might come back, and then our hopes got oh, buried. I, I had I had written off the game. I what, just wrote off the game. I mean, it yeah, felt yeah, like we were five I mean, five or ten percent to win the game. Right before like the final TV left. timeout, I think we cut it down to like maybe three points or one point or two points, and then they extended it back out to ten points. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're That's gonna it. we're gonna lose to Wake, NC State, and we should have lost to Miami. I mean, can you imagine? We we like the last time we talked. Um, I, I said we've got a soft, we've got a pretty soft schedule coming up. We should be like three wins before we face uh, Notre Dame. Well, you said they're going to win four 
I was, maybe three, and I said, I think they can win all five, and I if was, they win four, everything's going to feel okay. Yeah, I was saying I hope they win four out of five. I said I'd be happy. But clearly the ACC is very deep. Even the unranked teams are, are very good. Um, sure. It's a little bit scary. I mean, we're we're currently, what, we're 16-5. and five. We only have 10 games left, and of those 10, we have five of those games are currently top 15 teams, and Three three of those games are on the road, so I mean there's a good chance we're gonna go like six and four the last ten games, which would put us at twenty one and nine. I we, mean like we play five tough teams on the road. We play North Carolina at home. We played North and we Carolina, play Florida Virginia, State at home. Florida. Yeah, yeah. So definitely a tough run. Like we're headed towards like a maybe a five seed. You know, four or five seed maybe. Six seed, worst case. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the. There's a there's a wide there's a wide array of possibilities for where we're heading. Yeah. But that that's why this is this should be a really fun, hopefully fun, hopefully not painful, but at least interesting stretch of ten games. Ten games coming up. There's only three soft games. Two or three. Yeah. Home against Wake, but Wake played us tough. Home against Pitt. Home against uh, Clemson. We shouldn't lose those games. We're supposed to win those games. The other seven games, I mean, we're not really a slam dunk to win any of them. Right. Uh, although, but we, should, we shouldn't be a big dog. If we go zero and seven in those games, then then we we stink. I mean, we we don't stink, I mean, but we're we we're not good. We're not a good team. We're not going to go zero and seven yeah. against them. So, you know, I don't know what success is going to look like. Uh, but 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 I, I it's I, been rare that we, I've like felt, hey, we we could win seven or eight games, win the ACC tournament, come out with a two or three seed, and this team's deep enough that it could win the tournament, or everything can kind of continue to to be chaotic and be inconsistent. And we go five and five, drop double digit games, knocked out second third round of the ACC tournament, and you know first round upset, second round upset. Like, it's all it's all on the table. I mean, there's a good chance we'll be the underdog in the second round if we're a five or six seed. Sure, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I I think in terms of dream scenario, you look back at one of those Kentucky teams that uh, went to the title games at eight seed. You know, they had they they built their team around uh, I think Julius Randall and Andrew Harrison. They were both top top recruits, um, and they they were sort of. They had a bunch of losses, and so they ended up being an eight seed. They they beat Wichita State, and then they went all the way to the title game and played UConn. I'm hoping this Duke team is sort of like that. We have a bunch of losses during the regular season, but it just took our freshmen a long time to to figure team chemistry things out, and then we'll hit stride in in March. That would, that would be nice. Well, I think there's a big difference between yeah. Between, I guess that Kentucky team wasn't as like star powered as this one. As, as this one, or it wasn't supposed to have been as, as star powered. It, yeah. it was like They're the Harrison twins, Julius Randle. They must have had somebody else. They got everybody's an NBA player on those teams, right? Right. Trevon Jackson. Yeah. No, that's the, uh, we don't have to get distracted by it, but well, this team. I mean, what we have to face at this point is that. The freshmen we were hoping, these lottery picks, that we were hoping were going to be 
making our talented team a transcendently great team, are perhaps not good at basketball. Maybe they're talented. Mm. Perhaps they're not good at basketball. Harry Giles right now. Are you ready to give up on Harry Giles? No, I'm not saying they can't be good at basketball. I'm saying right now. He's shown enough flashes, I think. He clearly is super talented. There's a reason he's Harry Giles. There's a reason Jason Tatum's Jason Tatum. Yeah. Right? And there's moments where you're like, oh my God, this guy is incredible. But. For which guy? Tatum? Both of them. Yeah. Tatum especially. Yeah. This year. Some, some of those blocks on when he's closing out the three-point shots with those arms. I mean, against... His drives to the basket. I still against feel like NC he's, State, he's he like, got to the rim at will and just kept missing layups. Yeah, that's, like, he's, not he's got that weird... Yeah, he, he has like a... He's like a half-step short. Two, three, four dribble drives a game where it looks like it, it would be like a sick sports center highlight type of finish, but he misses the shot or... Well, here's the thing. He falls then, down. Yeah, but then he's out of control. He careens. He keeps going. Like, yeah, he goes out of bounds he goes, and falls down. He goes into the cheerleaders, yeah. and all of a sudden they get a 5-4 and four break because if he misses the shot, like he got to the rim because no one else was in there, so that means we don't have offensive rebounders in place. And if he converts and he hits the layup or he dunks it, great. That's a great play. When he does it, it's like a live ball turnover. You know, where he's out of the action because he fell. He was trying to draw the foul or he tumbled into the cheerleaders of the press. Yeah. And that, I mean, against NC State, it killed us towards the end of the game where he had the ball in his hands. He made a, he, you know, those were pretty decent takes. He just didn't finish. And then he took himself out of the play. And that's a big difference from a guy missing a three pointer right. and being able to get back on defense, especially when. Tatum's in there for some amount of interior protection, right? Know? And he's one of our best transition defenders, theoretically, you know. So, at, if if you're making him the primary ball handler and he's driving all the way to the rim, he's not finishing consistently. It hurts us in more ways than one, yeah. not just the, the points don't go on the board. Luke Kennard misses shots; it doesn't hurt us as much. First of all, the rebound can come out, you know, can can rebound further from the basket, which might lead to a higher percentage chance of an offensive rebound, and he's he's back on defense. So, you know, that's what I saw. One of the things I saw towards the end of the NC State game. But when I say they're not, they're perhaps not good at basketball. Jason Tatum just—he's not making good decisions. Yeah. He's turning the ball over. He's like a lot of it's unforced errors. I I, I feel like he's he, just, lo- he looks at the ref a little too much afterwards. They they all do. Instead of just all hus- of our guys instead of do. just hustling back on D. Well, maybe not all of them, but a bunch of them do. I mean, we, but Emil. Oh my God, Emil, dude! Uh, Harry Giles. Every time, every time he commits a stupid foul, and that's quite often. You know, he's which like is, which, flinging his body at everyone. He yeah. puts yeah. his arms sort of up in the I, air, I, and he thinks he can do whatever he wants. I with thought his body. there was a chance he could have been teed up after one of his fouls in the Wake Forest game. He yeah, he always looks yeah. like he. He can't believe it, and he's going to show yeah. up the refs a and little. Granted, the foul that was called on him wasn't, you know, I probably wouldn't have called it, but I understand the call. It looks like he fouled him, you know, and you just have to live with that in college basketball especially. I think there's a slight, you know, I think there's a slight prima donna problem with some of the guys. Yeah. It's just not productive. It's Did a you? waste of energy, and... Did you hear any of the chatter coming from the the meeting? Um, 
the, no. the Coach K meeting? No. I, well, yeah, I mean, I saw what was reported. Yeah, well, two two issues, two two actually big issues. Coach K has a a team meeting at his house. Right. Um, and actually, I want to talk to you about this. So, he Dude. he he bans the players from the locker room, and he says, "You guys are no longer allowed to wear any Duke apparel, like sweatshirts and pants and shorts or whatever." Around so, campus. So yeah. they just have to wear their own, you know, nondescript apparel. Uh, one, I, I remember him doing this early in the 2000s, like the... I've heard this the, story a few times, the different J- versions Jason of the Williams, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer team, he said, you guys are They not. took all their shoes and put them in a pile in the middle of the locker room. No, and, no, no. He, and their stuff, and they said, you guys don't deserve to wear this stuff. Stay out of the... I, I remember that he, story from... He, he removed some, all somewhere. the chairs from the locker room. He's like, you guys don't <laughs> deserve to sit. So you just have to either... Stand or, or sit on the ground and like, do you think that's successful? I mean, the well, he's sort of it's like it's almost like a junior like he's not coaching a junior high school team. These are all grown, young. They're all young adults. Like, after the meeting, do you think, man, this guy's treating us like kids? Well, here's the thing: fifteen years ago when he did it, yeah, it worked. And what were they gonna do? Go give an interview on TV about it? Nowadays, yeah. he has this players-only like team meeting, and within an hour or two, it's all over Twitter. Right, it's being reported on, right. and then, but Jeff Capel, I think it was Capel, yeah. said it's disappointing. He tweeted out, "It's disappointing that that this gets out in this day and age right. or whatever." So I was going to ask you, who's the rat? I mean, who is the rat? Let's it's the freshman. It's probably the freshman. It's not the seniors. It's not. It's not Emil Jefferson. It's not Grayson Allen. It's not Luke Kennard. It's one of these prima donnas. It's the freshman. It's like, somebody's unhappy. Jason Tatum is is who's unhappy. He because he I think it was uh, unnamed sources were talking to Jeff Goodman. Yeah. Did you did you look at Jeff Goodman's uh, history of tweets and who he may have reported on in the past or no. done a feature on? Well, I mean, he did it with Grayson, but. Mm-hmm. He's a college basketball analyst. He'll talk to whoever. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's hard for for these kids to to you know leak information these days because agents circling. Well, yeah, why it would doesn't they? have to be them. Yeah, but why? Would it doesn't they? have to be them either. It can be their brother. You know, it can yeah. be their buddy. But it's a source from high school close to the program. Yeah, a source close to the program could be. You know Harry Giles' uh, best friend, who's along for the ride. That would be Jason Tatum. <laughs> Jason Tatum, right? Or whatever, you know, <laughs> from home, their buddy. Right. You know, they're right. part of their crew. It could be a cousin, could be a brother, could be their dad. You know, they part tell his, their parents. Part of his posse. I mean, it could just be his dad. You know, it could be Jason Tatum's dad. It could be Marcus Bolden, Marquise Bolden's dad. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea who it could be. Yes. And it's not really that important who it is, but it's reflective of today's culture. Right. So, there's a rat. So, you don't like the tactic. There's right? a rat. Uh, uh, they're probably not going to do a departed type of thing where they smoke out the rat. So, let's leave that alone for right now. Sure. There's been a lot of uh, you know, smoke or discussion on uh, message boards about there's a clear rift on the team, leadership-wise. Like, the freshmen are bucking. Um 
is what we were kind of worried about. I want to say like Tatum and Bolden, maybe Giles also, are generally carry themselves sort of like a prima donna, and they're not buying into the team, which... When I first heard that, like I, I was taken aback because. Well, where did you hear it from? Uh, I mean, you're just saying unnamed sources. <laughs> so no, these are totally rumors. It's totally rumors. From Jason Pasternak. Okay. Who it's from our buddy Jason? Who has a buddy? Uh, I mean, I don't think we should name mm-hmm. them, but um, they they're on the message boards. Okay. So I mean, I don't know who contributes to these things. We should probably be on that. Nah, man. Fuck message boards. <laughs> Who has time for that? We can just speculate on our own. Yeah, I mean, anyone can make anything up and post it anywhere. And that's how rumors get started. And then sometimes it might be legit, but who knows, right? Right. But, like, back in the day, this would never have gotten out. Now it gets out. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I remember back in the day that we we heard that Coach K stripped them of their chairs, you know, treating them as children. And to counter um, your point, like, maybe he's done this multiple times and – Jay Billis said he's done it twenty times. Yeah, with with teams that haven't won, you know, like, it's just a common motivation tactic for him. Yeah, so I'm I'm asking, do you think it's an effective motivating tool? I mean, if you, I, th- I think Coach K has been very effective throughout his career motivating his players. <laughs> so if he's using it, <laughs> you don't think it's corny? You don't think it's childish? Everything he does is corny. Yeah, but it's corny to us. If you were in the room with him. Speaking to you with authority and leadership? I would be rolling my eyes. No, man, you'd be quaking in your boots because <laughs> that guy has dominion and control over your basketball career, over how hard the practice is the next day. And that's the guy you want to win. Win over. Win for? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. So let's let's speculate a little bit more about a- after that meeting at Coach K's house, the players – call their own players meeting I mean I imagine it was Matt Jones and Emil Jefferson they called the players only meeting to flush out you know what what needed to be done sure so you know we're here we're hearing from message boards that there's a rift between the freshmen and the leadership now in the weight game there was a ton of players in foul trouble but Tatum only shot six shots I mean is it possible that in that players only meeting they're like look Luke's got to get the shots. We need to funnel the ball to Luke. If you look at the first half, Luke wasn't getting that many shots. Right. I think it was partly a function of just the flow Lake of the Forest game. defense, the flow of the game. And, but I saw a decisive, I saw a decision, a moment where Luke Kennard decided enough. Right. Enough. I'm taking over. Matt Jones made that decision in the Miami game. He just said, "I'm gonna. I'm not letting us lose." And the mm. if we want to get back to the Miami game a little bit, yeah. Uh, to me, the Miami game was a more impressive sort of team comeback. Uh, relied less on luck and just, they just, you know, at halftime, it was gut check time. And we were getting killed. We were down double digits at halftime, the Miami. Yeah, we're down 11. And they, it looked just like the Louisville game. It looked just like the Florida State game. We are getting beat in very similar ways. And they came out, they sat Harry Giles, sat Grayson Allen, and sat Luke Kennard. Grayson Allen had had a little injury, it had dislocated his pinky. It didn't seem little. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty horrific. But And he had a bloody face earlier in the game. <laughs> sure. And, you know, he's... I love Grace. Grayson, just, it, just, it, it just follows him wherever he goes. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, <laughs> but Grayson the, But Allen. the pinky looked terrible. He, he got it laced up. I was surprised that Luke 
was sitting. I, I could understand Grayson and Giles sitting, but you know, I could. It was Cape, a defense. Yeah, Cape just wanted to change things up, yeah. mix it up. I I totally get it. Um, and they came out and they've they just they went on fucking a tw- crushed them twenty two to one run. But I could counter that with saying, so I, I I think we look at the Miami game differently. I'm you afterwards. You were texting me. You were like, wow, this was a. See, see. Well, I wish we had recorded because I was pretty darn pumped and I was ready to declare it one of the great games in Duke basketball history. Right. I was a bit more pessimistic about it. But the reason I was thinking that was because I still believed in I believed in sort of the destiny of this team, the redemptive arc, all that stuff. And I felt like all of that was at stake in the Miami game. Right. Because here's a home game we're supposed to win. And if we right. lose this one, I looked at the schedule coming up. We're gonna we're gonna lose a lot of games if we can't beat this team at home. If we can't start playing defense, and lo and behold, they did. And Matt, there was like like yeah. right off right off the bat in the second half, Matt Jones stole just like a transition inbounds. type of the, like yeah. the half court. Yeah, we just came ripped out, it, ripped it out, of the, ripped it out of his hands. Did he ripped the game away from Miami? And then everything flowed from there. Right. And everybody played well. Mark Marcus Bolden played this incredible pick and roll defense. Right. Uh, they pl- they all played as a unit as a all team. All three guys that came off the bench in that game, Bolden, Matt Jones, and Frank Jackson, they all played. Their stats were great. It was productive, high efficiency. They played their asses of off. Yeah. Great defense. And with passion. And then Matt Jones' shot fell over yeah. and over again. Right. Which doesn't usually happen. Right, with that you know that reg- that much regularity, but it felt like I mean I don't I don't remember there being like a like a twenty to nothing run in a game. Twenty two to one. Yeah, it was twenty two to one, but it was also I think nineteen or twenty to, to nothing. Just to straight. I mean, we it was twenty to one to start the half. But we eviscerated them. Yeah. In the first five or six minutes, but and then continued to play well, yeah. make the right decisions, and it just looked like team basketball, and it was like. There it is, yeah, and and the place sounded like like the old like it sounded like it was going insane in there. Cameron, yeah, yeah, you which know. which it should be. And I thought, here's Jeff Capel making an unorthodox coaching decision. You know, something like Dean Smith or Coach K would do back in the day, and it worked. It like, you know, it came up roses. All roses, like, yeah. and I was like, Jeff Capel just put his stamp on the team and made his mark as the successor to Krzyzewski. It just felt to me super important in yeah. that regard. Right. Then we come out and we lose the next game to NC State, <laughs> and which was which was, I mean, that loss was pretty unacceptable. I mean, that game was in hand multiple times. Um, but let's stick. Let's stick. Should have closed yeah. that game out. Let's let's stick with uh, the Miami game a little bit longer. I mean, couldn't couldn't I also view the game as, yeah, we played great in the second half, but Miami just gave us that game. I mean, they they, they did not play well they, on they, offense. They turned the ball over a ton. They literally turned the ball over a dozen times in the first five or six minutes of the second half. And granted, maybe half of them was was because of strong defense, but the other half they just. They gave the ball away. They turned it over. They traveled. They threw the ball away. I mean, you can't win if you give the other team the ball 12 times to start off the second half. Well, here's what, here's what we're doing as we analyze these games and we look at it as fans. We're looking for the story, the narrative, and like 
there's each game presents all this data and the story keeps changing with every game right every half of basketball right team it's a totally different team my question to you as a poker player and uh, as someone who reads books on rational thought you know I'm aware of some of your reading habits do you believe in momentum do you believe do you think some of this is just random like we just re- did we just run good in that in the second half of the Miami game? Did we just run bad towards the end of that NC State game? I mean, you can attribute some of it to effort, some of it to sort of right teamwork, wrong teamwork, but shots fall or they don't. Yeah. I mean, did we just run really terrific with Luke Kennard shooting in the second half of this Wake Forest game? Did we hit a one outer or a two outer in a, you know in poker parlance? My reply would be. You know, you were so pumped up after that Miami game. I was a little bit more pessimistic. You know, I'm I'm more of a you know let's let's wait and see. So against NC State, we should have beat them, but we lose by two after a superhuman effort by Den- by Dennis Smith Jr., who isn't looks like he's insanely good. And Jason Tatum can't finish at the rim. Right, and I also <laughs> thought it was inexcusable that the ball was in his hands the whole length of the court at the end of the game. And then for him to try behind the back dribble yeah. with a with a help defender on his left, I mean that's just that was awful. That's I mean that was pretty it, bad. It, it took me back to Trajan Langdon in the '99 title game. Like, why does he have the ball? He's not the primary ball handler. He should be in Avery's hands. He's not a terrific ball handler, right? We don't have a right. terrific the ball whole handler. the whole time. Tatum brought the ball up. I was like, oh, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about this. He's dribbling the ball. He's six eight. He's so. out of control. He's always a little. Yeah, he's out sort of, of like he, Justice Winslow. He's making it up as uh, he goes along, dribbling it up sure. in transition. Like he gets the ball. Like this would this in Wojo's heyday, he would never let that happen. Like if Ricky Price tried to dribble up the length of the court. Ricky, I mean, I think you told me that when we were on campus. Like, Wojo would just get in his face and say, look, you give me that fucking ball, right? Like, I'm the point guard. I'm going to take it. That's what Frank Jackson should have done. Frank Jackson's not a point guard. And he's not ready. Luke Kennard on this team, today he, was ready. He and Grayson Allen are our two best ball handlers. I think I think Frank or, or Grayson should have brought it up. Like, it's just... Frank's the best, has the best handle on the team. Yeah. Obviously. I'm not I, saying, I just, what, he's not, I say he's not a point guard. I mean, he's not a leader. Yeah. He's not a guy who is thinking two or three steps ahead and like, yeah. you know, in terms of setting up guys. You know, I, I, I rag on Coach K's co- coaching all the time, but like, I feel like with well-coached teams, like Brad Stevens' teams or Jay Wright's teams, these roles are defined. Like, these guys must practice game situations all the time in practices. So that's why... At the end of the game against UNC, obviously they 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 were coming off a timeout, but Archidiakono had the ball. Chris Jenkins gave him the ball. He's trailing the play. When Archidiakono gets to the three point line, he has multiple options. You know, he can give it to Josh Hart. What a beautiful come, coming off a screen. He can give it to Chris Jenkins. With us, it's just like Tatum gets the ball. There's five point five seconds left. That's a lot of time. You give it to your best ball handler, and then you go and try to get open. I was fine with Jason Tatum coming down the court. I, I'm not fine with Jason Tatum's decision-making. Yeah. And that's why you shouldn't give him the ball there, I guess. But Jason Tatum, all he had to do was take it to the rim. Nobody exactly, was going to stop him. Exactly. That's I all mean, with, he had to do. With five and a half seconds left. He's the guy who can get the ball down the court the fastest. You know, right. Or I mean, Frank with Jackson. five and a half seconds left, I mean, 
you should just go right at the bucket because a lot of times they're just they're just going to get out of your way or you're going to get fouled or you're going to get fouled but or you know it'll take a charge and they'll win the game I, that way but I just I just feel like if Trajan Langdon is bringing up the ball with four seconds left in the title game and Tatum's bringing up the ball with five and a half seconds left in a tight game against NC State we're down two right we were he was, down two I believe yeah but like yeah he was thinking game winning three he had it playing in his head you know the whole ESPN highlight it's and just, he's gonna like make this fancy move. I just think it's it's reflective of, of the coach. But there was like three seconds left, and he could have gotten. He the comes down easily. with the rebound. There's five seconds left. Get it, get it to a ball handler. Did you see against NC State? There was a play where Tatum, Tatum uh, took one dribble from the from the three point line and finished at the rim. I don't recall it. Did he finish? Oh yeah, he yeah. finished. I mean, it looked great. It was incredible. Yeah. He picked up his dribble at the three-point line. He's, in, he's picked incredible. Picked it up at the three-point line and got all the way to the rim yeah. without traveling. You he's, know. he's incredible. I mean, he, he's, he is incredible. I get why. And he wants to be a leader. And I'm happy that he, he wants to take the shot, right? Because the worst thing is guys that are just afraid they shy away in the, you know, in the moment. Frank Jackson took the shot against Kansas to tie it. Sure. Yeah, you want guys that want it, that want to take the shot. But at the same time, I agree. We you need yeah. some clearly defined roles. You need to know who right. the guy is. The, the and it comes is, back is, to is on this team. There, there are too many. Like Grayson Allen. It's too many guys. Hit the three to cut it to one against Wake. Luke mm-hmm. Kennard hits the three coming off a screen to get. Put but us we up ra- by two. how good did we run in the second half of the game? No, we shouldn't have won the game. Right. Yes, I agree with you. We got outplayed. I agree with you. So, I mean, going back to your question of are we running good or, you know, how do we process all this? Like, if if it takes that much running good and, and quote-unquote luck to beat Wake Forest and we lose to NC State by two and we sort of ha- have to have a lot of things go our way to beat Miami at home. Yeah. I just don't see it, you know. Like I feel like this—that's a lot of information. I feel like whether this, we won or yeah. lost any of those games, I feel like this team could be very, very good. But I just feel like great teams win are winning games by 10, 20 points on average in college basketball. Right. Great teams, great right. teams. We're not a great team. I mean, we're not I, even close. Having said that, of all the great teams in the country this year, I mean, everyone has two, three, four losses. You know, there's just there's so many good teams now that. We're only one loss back from like UNC or Louisville or Kentucky or all these other great teams. You know, we're only one game back. And I just really feel like if we can play defense, if we can have a defensive transformation, this team could be special. And if and if Luke could get more shots and if Matt Jones and Tatum could take fewer shots. <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting because you asked me in one of our first episodes because Emil Jefferson was playing so well. Hey, would you just take two Emil Jeffersons and forget about Bolden and Giles? Bolden. Obviously, Bolden. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the answer right now is... You never said Giles. You never said Giles. You said Bolden and... Just Bolden? Just Bolden. <laughs> would you just take two Emils? <laughs> but, but now... But I, I, yeah, loved, I, would, I love the, the potential would, of a Bolden, right? Of like, course, like of course. We just, they're guys, you don't know. Because when the season started, we had three projected top ten picks in the next NBA draft. You know, Bolden, Giles, and Tatum. It was, they were supposed to go one, three, and eight. And it clearly only one guy is going to be top ten. Well, they may get drafted high, right? Well, Bolden's not getting drafted high, but... 
it doesn't really matter where they go in the draft. No. But a lot of times guys who are the top draft picks, like a Jalen Brown last year. Right. He went in the top five to he went third. Third, third yeah, to he Boston. Went third. And, you know, they got knocked out of the tournament in the first round. They scored four points in the game. You know, just because you're a high draft pick doesn't mean you're great at basketball. No, at, at college, at college ba- basketball. At college basketball. I would agree well, with you'll that. Well, yeah. you may eventually have the best chance to become great at NBA basketball. You know, I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of falling in love with NBA, like super athleticism and NBA prospects and yeah. lottery picks and all that stuff. Right. But when it comes down to it, but it's, it's the exception when guys like Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones come in and they're just great at basketball. Right? And, and they were great together. Team. They were great yeah. together in clearly defined roles. And if Giles and Tatum were perfectly healthy and they didn't have, you know, in a different situation, they, they may be like the fab, two of the Fab Five, right? It's a chance of that. They, but they mm. weren't healthy. Right. Right. They're not playing. They're not playing great basketball. I mean, Tatum's a lot closer than Giles. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. I would I'm, say Tatum is healthy, and I think he's playing pretty, pretty well. You know, even he's not, today. He's, he's, he had a rough game. We're right? super critical of his his scoring inefficiency, but he's playing. He's contributing on, on a lot of levels. Like I thought, he had the potential to be. I think I still think he has the potential to be an amazing defensive basketball player. I think he's a really good one. Yeah. And his like. Steals, blocks, deflections, you know, all that stuff is great. He's wingspan. Wingspan. He he's terrific, actually, right? But he's gonna be so much better in two years. It just hasn't clicked for him yet. He's not he's he's still making basic mistakes on that end. Right. On both ends, but on that end too, where I see him as such a natural defender. Giles Giles made some nice plays today. But he Giles also is, made some awful plays, yeah. especially on defense. Yeah, you you mentioned his lateral quickness last week. There were there was a play where he moved, had his hands up, and the guy was already by him and dunking, <laughs> and he he was still like sticking his arms up like the guy was behind him. I, I, <laughs> right in the first half. I mean, we we could see this coming. You know, Collins his, made a joke his, out his, of him his, on that end of the court. His first his first game back, you know, he had that big bulky knee brace. There was a loose ball. He, it looked like he was bending over the waist to pick it up. There's nobody around him, and he kicked the ball out of bounds. I was like, wow, he looked like the Tin Man there. And now Emil is a gimp. He's clearly yeah. not at full force. He only, you know, he made a, one or two baskets early you know, in the what, game. What, he didn't score again. Do you think that's injury related? He, when we were going down the stretch of the Wake Forest game, I was, I saw him on the bench. I was like, did he foul out? Because why isn't he on the? He had four fouls. He had four fouls, but Capel elected to play. I don't think his foot's 100. percent yeah, I mean, I remember reading after the Miami game, after he played 34 minutes, he said, my foot's in a lot of pain, but the doctors have told me that, that there's no more serious damage that I can do to the foot, so it's just a matter of pain tolerance. I mean, I know he doesn't want to sit out the rest of the season. Yeah. It, it means a lot to him. Right. And it's not like he's going to be a lottery pick, but you know, perhaps, perhaps his foot was hurting. I have no idea. He was in a boot before the game today yeah you know protective it's for safety you know it helps the healing you know helps it feel as, as well as it can but he's not the same guy his rebounding stats early in the season and his well, ability to finish in, in that Miami post, game he had like he had 12 boards it just seems like the last two games he's he's his numbers just haven't been the same maybe like 
four or five boards in 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Today he played 20 minutes. He only played 20 minutes. Uh, he had three boards. And he didn't play. He only had two baskets. He only took two shots. Right. I mean, I'm not, com- usage I'm not commenting right on his offense. I really don't feel yeah. like we need his offense, even, though, even though it's nice as yeah. to, to balance out our offensive. He, he played well down the stretch, you know, in the second half against Miami on defense. But I, I was surprised that he wasn't on the floor at the end. I think I think he's got a mobility issue. I think, yeah, that's probably what it is. Giles has a mobility issue, and he was on the floor at the end. That's <laughs> true. It's true. So, like, sometimes I yeah, wonder. Maybe, maybe sometimes I wonder what Capel is ex- is exactly thinking. You know, like, was, you know, there was there was a time in the in the second half of the Wake Forest game where every all our bigs, Tatum included, were in foul trouble. So I was like, okay, it's time for Bolden, and out of nowhere. Antonio Frankovich comes in and uh, I read afterwards you know Cable's talking about oh he had a great week of practice it's the same thing he said when he stuck in Bolden like a week ago and then stuck him in the starting lineup yeah like you know I love that he stuck in Frankovich and I love that Frankovich played with supreme effort and I love that Bolden played with supreme effort I don't know why Bolden didn't play today exactly that's my question yeah like I don't we don't have all the information right and there's so many injuries So, so we just have no idea I so mean, it's like a meal might, might have said something. His foot might have hurt. He couldn't have played. Okay. We have no idea. But 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 Bolden played like 23, 24 minutes against NC State. He started in the second half against Miami. So in this game, like, you know. And, and, I think the reason and, is and we le- weren't as scared of, of their pick and roll. Right. right. They, they didn't do they, a high ball ver- screen. They very much. rarely, you know, yeah. chose to pick and roll. But. You know, when when Giles, Jefferson, and Tatum are all getting in foul trouble, I was like, okay, it's Bolden's time. But instead of Bolden, Capel sticks in Frank- Frankovich. So, I mean, like, Bolden's the leak. What's, Bolden's what, the leak. What's the rhyme or Bolden's reason? the leak. He's the rat. <laughs> Bolden might be the rat. But I saw Bolden on the sideline. He's so happy. He's <laughs> clapping his hands. He's cheering on his teammates. Like, I, 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 I don't see like any of these guys as being like some you know sour grapes Rashid Suleiman type. Yeah. You know, like they seem like good kids. They seem like they're even if they aren't getting the minutes, they seem engaged and into it. Like I just, yeah, I don't know why Vrankovic would ever play over Bolden, except that he played better than him in practice this week. Maybe Capel's just telling the truth. Well, Capel said the same thing about Bolden a week and a half ago. Oh, Bolden had a great week of practice. That's why I stuck him in for minutes, and that's why I started him in the NC State game. Like, well, they're the end of the bench, right? So when he looks down at the um, end of the bench, Bolden, Frank, you, you just think he forgot? He <laughs> forgot on. Bolden existed. You just I think, mean, maybe, oh, he just forgot about him. I'll, I'll bring in Frankovich. Like that guy looks kind of familiar. May, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe <laughs> Capel did do a like the departed smoking out the rat type of uh, thing, and found out that Bolden was the rat. I mean, it could be as simple as you have ten guys in your team and you want to reward a kid who's been playing great in practice. With the entire game on the line? He played six minutes. With the game on the line? It wasn't the last six minutes of the game. It was uh, early in the second half. Early to mid. The game was on the line. I mean, the, you know, we were down. I mean, I, I, I like him. I mean, it's great that he showed yeah. confidence in someone. Coach K would never stick that kid in there. If he did, he was sticking for thirty seconds. Yeah, you know, forty-five he's, seconds. He's very much like a, like a Zubek, you know, like a, a little bit smaller Zubek. Frankovich? Yeah. No. Nah. You don't see it. Nah, dog. It's just like you know. Zubek like a, was seven foot legit, 
Frankovich is 6'10. Super 6'11. long. He's big. Subek had very limited basketball skill set. You know, Zub- like he just no, catches no. and dunks it. Zubek was a shot blocker and actually had good touch on his free throws. He, he actually had some. Some, some awareness. He, well, he didn't turn the ball over. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. His I mean, freshman, sophomore, junior, I bet he turned the ball over a lot. I think you're just remembering his magical senior year. I don't know. We'll have to go. We'll have to go to the research. We'll research Zubek okay. this summer. Okay. We'll poor comparison. Poor comparison. But, but yeah, no, I don't I, think I he's, don't, like a, don't, he's more yeah. like a like a maybe a more talented, stronger Matt Christensen or something. Yeah, that's yeah. An, that's another good comparison. Just like he's not going to make mistakes. He's going to try hard. Zubek was a McDonald's All American. Zubek he was, he was, was pretty a, worthless his first few years, but. On the other hand, I think we both wanted Coach K to play him a lot just because we were fascinated by the possibility of him. You know, it's like, wow, that guy's seven one and he's pretty athletic. We should try playing him. All right, let me tell you about Zubek. Apparently, he played a lot of games. He just didn't play a lot of minutes. Why doesn't Basketball Reference have his minutes played? Uh, yeah, he. He never averaged, uh, he always averaged less than one uh, turnover a game. But maybe he was playing six minutes a game, I don't know. Right. But uh, he always shot a high percentage. And, uh, you know, he rebounded the ball. Actually, his uh, senior year numbers aren't as good as I would have expected. 5.6 points, 7.7 rebounds. Just in the tournament and sort of late in the year. Second half of the year, maybe. He really only became a starter around this time of year with like maybe 10 games left. Well, we could really use Zubek right now. I gotta tell you, we could use a rim protector. I just can't believe we have four Harry Giles big never guys. blocks a shot. We have four big guys. He does. I mean, I mean, you're telling me Giles and Bolden were projected to be lottery picks, and neither of them can protect the rim with any effectiveness. That's that's what you're telling me, right? That's what's happening. They're just not good at defense. I mean, Bolden was good against the pick and roll in space. Right. But he still wasn't like blocking shots. He was, yeah. You're. I mean, you're right. This team is not a very good uh, shot blocking team. No, we're 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 not making guys uncomfortable enough around the rim. People are finishing at a very high rate around the rim. Right. Uh, it's almost ridiculously easy. Yeah. At times. And uh, I thought they made. I thought they made the adjustment, but you know, not not completely and totally enough. Because when they did pick and rolls today, they did it pretty well. It was different, like a different style, but. Yeah. I mean, um, kudos to Danny Manning. I mean, he's really turned that program around. Gotta love Danny Manning. Wake Forest was like a was like a dead program. Danny Manning took the loss well, too. How about Jeff Capel's handshakes after these games? He barely, he like flies right by the other head coach. Right. Just like, it's not even my job to be here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shake and keep walking like at a brisk pace. He doesn't, you know. He's probably so exhausted and, and perspired through all his clothes he's dying to take a shower yeah he does I, I, worry young... about, I worry about his health doesn't he seem a little chubby to you uh yeah I Bojangles mean, for breakfast Bojangles for lunch uh well I, I, I'm not too worried about Jeff Cable's health I think Jeff Cable's living well yeah and uh Jeff Cable wants to take a few pounds off. I'm sure he can. He's got a lot on his plate right now. Yeah, we should. Uh, do, we should, should we? Should we? we should. It's we should. Kind of an awkward transition now that you mentioned. No, it's not. Made a joke about Jeff Cable's health when he wrote that poignant piece about <laughs> his father's health. 
uh, and his father's role in his life and his father's coaching career. He was tragically diagnosed with ALS recently. Or was it last year, I think? Uh, I think he, yeah, I think he mentioned it was. For those of you who haven't read the piece, it's on the Players Trib. On the Players Tribune, Jeff Capel published this beautifully written. Really well written, sort of in a modern style, you know. Yeah, it was like a, a series of short anecdotes, like touchstones, milestones in his father's career and in Jeff Capel's career, uh, playing career, and his experiences with his father and his brother, Jason I, Capel. I just loved Capel crying to his mom his freshman year about how, how tough Coach K was, and maybe it was his sophomore year. Probably threw him out of the locker room. I just, I just, Took loved, away his I just loved that. He just cries to mom. And then dad comes, they go to lunch. They go to Damon's. They go, they go to Damon's. Damon's, the place for ribs. Like, we used like, to watch the tournament there. He's like, uh, so you're ranked number one. You're, you're starting, starting. You're getting minutes. And you're complaining to mom every two weeks. He's like, pack up your, pack up. Well, first he was just like, you got all your stuff packed? Or yeah. pack up your stuff, we'll, we'll take you home. And then he's like, we'll, what? We'll look, for, <laughs> we'll look for schools for you to transfer to. <laughs> and then he just says, look, man. Stop whining. Don't ever call the house again. <laughs> Complaining <laughs> about this kind of thing. And you said he never did it again. It's, it, you know, uh, it was a tear-jerking uh, article. I mean, like... Reddick has a story kind of like that, too, that he, that he talked about in his podcast uh, about sort of uh, after his sophomore year, he had made some, some decisions. Coach K had been tough on him, and he just had to make the decision to get better, not blame anyone else, and, you know, just commit. Uh, and that's what Coach K looks for. That's what the program oh, looks oh, for. Okay, it, I, it I, looked, rem- I, rem- for- I remember this. I was trying to jog my memory. He he basically said, and this this was after Reddick's sophomore year, we had lost to UConn in the semifinal game. We blew like a seven or eight point lead with two minutes left. He basically told Reddick, the reason we didn't win the national championship last year is because you weren't ready to be a national champion. Right. And he basically late, he said it was your responsibility and you weren't ready for the moment. I mean, that's just a lot. That's a lot of weight to put on a sophomore. That's, 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 that's leadership training. That's coach K leadership training. Yeah. He, it's like kind of honest. Yeah. And it gives the players, you're saying he's treating them like kids. No, throwing no, no, no. him out of the locker room. Yeah, but this is like, the, this like is the other side of it. Yeah, stuff like he, that. He takes the guys he thinks are capable of being leaders and great players, and he challenges them. Just he, so many, so in many, like simple, yeah. strong, right, direct language like that. And that's 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 what Jeff Capel's father did with him and his family. Yeah, uh, it was just incredible. Everybody should read the article. You're going to get to know Jeff Capel Senior. You're going to get to know Jeff and his brother. I, I like the uh, one of the strongest moments of that article was uh, Jason Capel, his younger brother, was a top five recruit, and uh, the moment where his dad sort of enabled him to make his choice, I thought that was his dad coached Old Dominion, and yeah. people were hoping that he would go to Old Dominion. This was just like Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, and he told him, "Go to UNC. That's your dream." I don't know why I didn't tell him go to Duke. <laughs> I mean, poor poor Jason Cable. He went to UNC the worst four years there. I mean, he might not have even had a winning record in any of those four years. Uh, there were some struggles, but that that he was a good player. 
I don't think it was as good as he, he didn't, was yeah, supposed he didn't, to he be. Didn't live up, I, I feel like his career trajectory was sort of like Harrison Barnes. Like These guys were supposed to be phenomenal talents, and they were good. They were very there's, good. But there's a big difference between Harrison Barnes and Jason Capel. Harrison Barnes got a max contract in the NBA. He's going to have yeah. you know, no, nine no, but, figures, career earnings. Right. Did Jason Capel even get a cup of coffee in the NBA? No. But Harrison Barnes was projected... To, to be ACC Player of the Year as a freshman, to be the Player of the Year as a freshman—that's you know—he was the number one high school recruit. Yeah. The, the the expectations for him were so high, and he was good, but he wasn't great. You know, he was decent. And none of our guys this year. He was he wasn't Malik Monk. You know. Yeah. He was he was just sort of solid. Well, you look at Ben Simmons, you look at Malik Monk, you look at you know. Uh, Markel Fultz. Fultz. You look at Dennis Smith Jr. These guys who come Lonzo in. Ball. Yeah. That's what you're hoping. That's what you're hoping Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Marcus Bolden, Frank Jackson are going to be. And it, you just don't know. You I, don't really know. I think Frank Jackson is going to be really good. Just not as a freshman. He's not going to be that. He, He's not going to. He could have been. He could have been, but he won't be. Well, we thought he could have been. We don't know these guys. We have no idea. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you were talking about. You're like, wouldn't you just take another Emil Jefferson? Don't you want the guy who really knows how to play good team basketball within the system versus these supposedly outlandish talents who have issues on the court, you know, because of injury, but also because they're just not integrated into the decision-making team concept, you know, on defense or offense. And I think we, you know, we realized there was a chance that, you know, the composition of the team was going to create challenges. But weren't we happier? Like, wasn't it much sort of easier watching the first five to ten games of the year when none of these guys were playing? You know, we only have five, you know, six guys to play, including and, Jeter. And most of those guys were known quantities. They're all making the right kind of efficiency decisions on offense, right? And they were playing better team defense. Uh, and you, you bring in these other guys, Emil Jefferson's injury, Grayson Allen's chaotic, insane year. It, he, you know, he's not shooting. Yeah, like, can we can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, we got to wrap this up. But, sure. Um, just, just briefly, like, what's going on? I mean, I think I think it's I think it's taking a toll on him. Uh, there was one drive in the weight game where it was a one-on-one fast break. Take it to take it to the the basket. Like he ended up trying to like throw it to a three-point shooter and he threw it away. But like Grayson Allen going at the basket, he's six foot five. He's built like a tank. He's got a 37, 38 inch vertical. Take it all the way. He used to just take it and finish it all the time last year. And this year, he's just looking to pass out way too often. Maybe maybe he, he ran good last year on his three-point percentage. He shot almost 42% yeah. last year, and this year he's shooting about 32%. Right. Now, maybe he, in his freshman year, it's 35%. But he, very small sample very size. Very small sample size. Yeah. Uh, and those, maybe, those numbers maybe, fluctuate yeah, well, for a lot of people. Yeah, those, it's all a small sample yeah. size, really. I mean, we know he's a good shooter. He shoots like 82, 83% from the free throw line. But I mean, that's he's shooting 39% from the field. Which Last is terrible. Last year he shot yeah. 46% from the field. Yeah. That's a huge difference. And, yeah, I, I, you know, he was 
it wasn't like he wasn't the focal point of the offense last year. And he had some rough games. But uh, he's he's not sure. quite himself. His free throw percentage is below 80%. He's a guy who shot 85 and 84% the first two years of his career. I don't know. Maybe this, he's not. This year it's, it's uh, 79%, which is still pretty decent. But You, but, think, you think the uh, jeers are getting to him? All the funny, clever, tripping jeers? I mean, how could it not get to him a little bit? Uh, were, were you afraid at all in the Wake Forest game? I remember he tried to take a charge. He fell down, and his his opponent fell down. I was like, oh, Grayson, please don't stick out here. Like, because his opponent was falling down. And then they got into it. Grayson got called, got teed up, mm-hmm. and Capel immediately sat him. I, I, I imagine, like Coach K said, any time Grayson gets a technical, you sit him for like five minutes, because I thought he sat for longer than what was expected, you know? And I think the treatment he's getting from the national press, like, ridiculous <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous but i think that's worse it's worse than what he did by an order of magnitude that we can't fully realize because we're not in yeah i mean i hope he's not looking at twitter i hope he's not what wa- watching stuff but of course ha- he's watching of course sure his friends are telling him things yeah i mean it's a strange year plus he's he's had injuries so maybe the injuries are the reason his percentages are lower and maybe he still has some turf toe. I have no idea. They're not going to tell us. He's not going to complain. But uh, it is what it is, you know. We got to play with the guys as they are right now. Yeah. And going forward, I hope. I hope. I do hope they understand at some some measure of analytics. Analytics tell you, Luke Luke Kennard should have the ball in his hands. He should be running pick and roll with Harry Giles. Of course, Harry Giles doesn't seem to be able to set a screen that isn't moving. But, you know, like, like there are things that can be done on offense. Like, there's so many things this team can do on offense. The right thing to do isn't Jason Tatum barreling down the lane, picking up charges, not finishing. And it's not that he should never penetrate. He should. Yeah. But I don't think he's the point forward. Right, right. Uh, you know, Kennard is passing well. I know he's not as good a ball handler. He, you know, he needs support from Frank Jackson and Grayson Allen, but you know, I think we have to run the offense through that as our primary thing. And the other thing I wanted to bring up to you is why isn't Neil Jefferson not not in the low post at all times or even the high post? Why is he why is he in the perimeter sometimes? I mean, I saw it again today. Why do we have four guys around the three-point line and one of them is Emil Jefferson? <laughs> he's never taken that shot. Like what Right, but he's he's up there setting screens. Uh, sometimes, like if uh, a guard pick, a wing picks up his dribble, he'll go out there to reset. Yeah, I, like I mean, Emil. Yeah, he. It just seems like the beginning of the year, so his, hot. His, his role 60, was real 62, sixty-three percent scoring in the post, but I feel like those aren't. He's no Jaleel Okafor in terms of scoring, you know. He, he is good. His efficiency he's not, he's was just great. as good early in the year. I mean, I yeah, know but Julio he, has all the moves, you know, all the different types of moves. Emil Emil's also recently seems to be a little bit out of control when he's trying to score in the post. Well, I think I think the injuries have, have slowed him down. Uh, but in terms of the style of play, yeah, I don't think we need him out there uh, with regularity. Hopefully, that's just sort of a. Did you watch carefully, Brand, uh, Brandon Childers? Throw Grayson Allen to the bench. Uh, you know, because we just had the baby. Yeah. 
<laughs> I haven't been able to pay you should watch as that. close. As, I, I tried to. I, I was watching it live. I but, felt like he should be thrown out of the game. Yeah, I mean, from what little I saw, it looked he came, like he, he should. It was he completely like bear, uncalled for. He bear hugged Grayson from the back, and then I think he flung him to the bench. And like, well, when he was pissed when, because there was another play yeah. a few minutes earlier. Yeah, I know Grayson was jawing at a bunch of people. Well, it wasn't just jawing at him, but but there was some there was some physical play between them. Right. And Grayson a lot of times gets the better of that against scrawny, the other guards. Scrawny guards. He's, he's just kind of a strong he's guard. He's like a tank. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually didn't think Grayson he handled, did anything dirty. He handled that part great. He handled that part great. But you could, if you watch the replay, you can tell John Shire just looks at Childers like, "What are you doing?" You know, like he was really offended by what happened. And I was, you know, the view isn't is is very much obstructed by all the bodies because it looked like it was going to be like a full on rumble. It like, was very clear that like Wake, a, Wake like Forest, a Jeff Van Gundy, New York Knicks, uh, Miami Heat type of scrum. I mean, there must have been something else that happened that the camera didn't catch because was, all the Wake Forest was, guys were all hyped up and like. Ready to fight. Yeah, it was and a like chippy the, all game. The, but the Duke guys weren't in that particular instance. He, like, about that Grayson Allen instance where he got... It just didn't... I didn't understand what where the energy came from right then. Because Grayson Allen just had his hands up and wasn't really... Yeah, in that, that time. But when he got called for the technical, he was talking a lot of smack to the other... To his opponent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Um, I feel like Grayson might. He has so many things. Like I, I, I really feel like sometime this year he's just gonna get like a gang beatdown. Like in the NC State game, you know, like at, at a TV timeout, he walked in front of the NC State bench, and then he, he and an NC State player, 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 player they would no, they wouldn't move. And it's just total lack of self awareness. You know, like recently I've been watching a lot of the Australian Open. When you play tennis. On the changeovers, you go to your chair, but you. I was both, hoping we were going to talk about the Australian Open. But but <laughs> both <laughs> players can't just go straight to the chair. You know what I'm saying? Like usually the the player that's higher on the picking order, like if you're playing Roger Federer, you let Federer go to his chair before you do. Like Vavrinka would always just wait. You know, like you have to be it's aware just courtesy of your surroundings. Like if Grayson Allen, go by, if sure. Grayson Allen's going to pick a fight, don't pick a fight right in front of the NC State bench. And then don't like lock chest with a guy. Come on, man. He wasn't picking a fight. Grayson Allen didn't do anything. Then, then he pushed him away. Like I just feel like at some point, if things boil over, like it wouldn't have shocked me if four players off the NC State bench just started giving Grayson Allen a beat down. What What are you talking about? That That's never happening in it's college basketball. It's never gonna basketball. happen. No, it's never gonna happen. Brawls never happen in college basketball. Brawls. I haven't seen a brawl in the ACC since I started. Since I went to Duke. You have you seen a brawl? You like Cincinnati Xavier? I said the ACC. <laughs> oh, why are we limiting it to ACC? I don't know. I mean, okay. I mean why, why are you saying it's NC State? <laughs> would you would you think the guys at North UNC would do it? Is, is no. I, like, I what mean, are you talking about? I'm just raising it because it happened in front of their bench, and he. All oh, these these guys are all talk, man. No one's really throwing punches. No one wants to get kicked out of. If the there ACC? were, I think Grayson would be in the middle of it. But anyway, fantasy land. You're in fantasy land. You're worried about these things, and maybe, maybe his mom is too. You and his mom. I don't think anyone else is worried about 
I don't care if Grayson Allen takes a punch. I actually would like to amend my uh, percentage <laughs> chance of him returning for a senior year from zero. You would? Yes. Maybe it's like... I told you, nothing's zero. Three to five percent. Luke Kennard's gone, by the way. Is he? Luke Kennard's gone. And, and, I don't think so. Oh, man. You know, shooting is at such a premium in the NBA. But, um, okay. you know, I just think I just think he's... Uh, It'd be great if he went to the Cavaliers. What's he going to do? Shoot better than this next year? And raise his stock? How's that possible? Yeah. I bet Grayson would tell him, hey, kid, take off after your your, your good season. I should have done that last year. Uh, yeah, he probably should have. Uh, but I, I feel like with, with these with level-headed kids, they'd much rather be a full participant in their junior year as a focal point of an offense and learn and grow as a player as opposed to, you know, their first like two, three years in the NBA, they're just going to atrophy away on the bench. Like, the, the, they can probably only get better in practice. It is a but, man's league. But you can't really get better without playing. So, you know, look at Tyus Jones, look at Will Avery. They just don't play. Yeah, they don't play, but they get closer to that free agent contract. Tyus Jones was still, like, people were talking about trading for him. Yeah. I mean, he happens to be buried behind, you know, Chris Dunn, who went top five this year, and um, Rubio. Rubio. Yeah. And they're trying to trade Rubio because, you know, I think they're okay bringing in Tyus Jones. Yeah, but they're going to trade him for a point guard, which is not good. Are they? For Tyus Jones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the 76ers and their, their epic <laughs> run over the last few weeks? How about thank next God, time? Thank God I've <laughs> been able to watch the every 76ers game for the last three or four weeks to distract me from the Duke. You know, the Duke uh, mess, you know, incredible. Yeah. Trust the process, my friend. Joel Embiid. Did you watch? Definitely the, exceeded what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. I, I told you I was being kind to you and preseason. Especially when I, per I didn't minutes, take the too. Hall of Fame. You back. can, like, extend the per minutes. It's incredible. Wow. It's pretty incredible. He, he hasn't even played basketball in two years. And before that, it's not like he was a – he wasn't a guy who played a lot of basketball. He just wasn't that good at Kansas. He played half a season at Kansas, and here's the thing. He had sat out the previous year in high school almost the entire year. He's like a Harry Giles case, except he never played basketball before he was 15. Hmm. I mean, he's, he's combined. He's played competitive basketball at the high school, college, and NBA level. He's played under 100 games. Wow. And he just starts playing, and he's clearly still not like 100%. You know, in terms of like getting all of his legs back, and I would and like he's to just I'd love, dominating. I'd, I will start tuning in when Ben Simmons comes in, and then I can't wait for Ben Simmons to come back. Maybe the Sixers will be the three seed in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> you know, they're only they're only <laughs> uh, four and a half games out of the seven seed. I mean, if they could just package Noel and Okafor for for a sick shooting guard, if they had just drafted Devin Booker instead of uh, Okafor or Kristaps Porzingis. Should we get into Okafor for a quick second? Jaleel? Jaleel is... Is he, is he still alive? Jaleel is the... If Embiid plays, no, uh, Noel's the, the backup. Okafor doesn't play. If Embiid sits, which is this, the back end of a back-to-back every time, Okafor starts. Noel's still the backup. That's what they're doing. That's, that's the rotation. So it's just mandatory that Noel doesn't start? Well, they realize they can't play all three of them. Like yeah. nobody, nobody's nobody's happy playing five or ten minutes. So they, but they're shopping both Noel and Okafor. Right. 
so they want to showcase Okafor. It seems like both Noel and Okafor might be classified as not necessarily good character guys. They're damaged assets, uh, for sure. Like sort of knuckleheads, crying, crying about playing time. Nerlens has, has a slight rep issue, but you know he's he's actually pretty good at NBA basketball. I I would take just, him over Okafor, right? Uh, I think most people would, except he's going into a free agent year, so you gotta then, you know, you gotta pay market value for him. And Okafor's got two more years on his rookie deal, and he's a he's an effective offensive player. So Okafor sat five of the last six games, zero minutes, right? And before that, he sat four for the previous six. So in the last twelve games, Okafor sat nine games, just on the bench watching. Oh, and the one before that, but in the Three games he's played, he's played 20, 30, 35 minutes. And, you know, against the Wizards, he scored 26 on 10 of 16 shooting with nine rebounds. Yeah. So, like... I don't think anyone questioned his uh, offensive capabilities. Yeah. Um, Speaking of not being able to guard pick and roll, he may be the worst pick and roll (laughs) defender for a big man in the NBA. He's got to be better than Giles. Well, it, it just leads me to think that under the current coaching regime... We are not teaching pick and roll defense well for big men. Like, I understand he was only there one year. Giles only played ten games. Probably, but, probably couldn't even practice that much the first few months. But Okafor could. Yeah. Okafor showed up in the NBA, and I watched every Sixers game. You know, his, his rookie, rookie year. Yeah. And he he was just clueless on defense. He never knows what to do. Maybe he's especially untalented on that end. And, he doesn't have the best reflexes. He doesn't have but those guards, the right kind of length. Those guards he's going up against are so much better than college guards. Yeah, he just gets caught in the wrong position All consistently. The time. He he doesn't even put his hands up on defense. Like <laughs> you know, like, like he's just he's just lacking fundamentals. And given how great of a fundamentally sound offensive player he is, he was so. It's just. It's just incredible that yeah. Coach K couldn't get him to play defense. I think two. we had this conversation a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, was, I was saying, like, is it just laziness that he worked so hard on his offensive skill set and he just didn't work hard at all on defense? It's. I think he's. I think he's. I think the truth is he's gifted on offense and he's really not talented on defense. It requires different skills. Yeah. You know, he's really coordinated with the ball. He has great hands. When he's holding the ball, right. but but he, his footwork on defense—it's not just his footwork; it's his reactions. His reactions are terrible. Yeah. I'm convinced that he he would be an awful ping pong player. His reflexes just don't seem right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I love Okafor. I love what he did at Duke. I love watching him on the offensive end at times. I love Winslow and Jones more. And I would love to see Tyus Jones play a little more, uh, and get get a real role. At I would watch I'd watch him play. You know, he was the MVP of the Summer Vegas League, right? He was Quinn Cook, by the way. Yeah. He's like ripping up the D League. D League can't nice. get a look in the NBA. Can't get a ten day contract. Just ripping it up. He's just got to keep trying. Like uh, he Lance, went, Lance Thomas was in the D League for for good yeah, while. He went to the wrong training camp going to the Cavs. Out Quinn of college, Cook, yeah. Where should he have gone? Should have gone to the Sixers. Maybe. TJ McConnell made the team. Ca- the now Cavs. TJ McConnell's starting. Ca- and and oh, and, and by the and way, a lot, a lot of their success people are saying is because of McConnell. 
McConnell's been great, actually. Yeah. Uh, he's he's an incredible defensive but player. Aren't isn't LeBron asking for another point guard, and don't they have a fit, open fifteenth man slot? Yeah, but he wants a veteran. LeBron only wants veterans. He has no time for no he has players. no patience time for rookies. Yeah, or young guys. He know LeBron knows it's a man's league, and the guys twenty five and up are the guys that can can help a you know a championship team. He didn't want Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Think that was a mistake? Nope. <laughs> How many games is Minnesota winning with those guys? It's uh, a man's league. I don't know if you can say the it league. quite like that. Well, Wiggins isn't isn't as efficient an offensive player as he, he should be and not as good a defensive player as he should be. I do like though he that is, people are saying are are saying maybe Jabari should have been the number one pick over Wiggins. I like that. Sort of I, like Duke Pride. I've seen Jabari play a few games recently. Oh, Jabari, he, looks, he looks incredible. Well, I forgot it. Uh, he looks, Jabari apparently is a rat. There was a team meeting, and then Jabari aired it out, and then the te- his teammates voted to bench him to start the next game. Bunch of rats at Duke. What's going no, on? No, no, no. Yeah, that's what happened. I'm going to need more details. They had a team meeting. Didn't they bench two guys? They... The team, the teammates, voted to bench Jabari because he did something wrong. He aired out. He aired out like a private team meeting in public. This must be a Duke okay. thing. Well, I think this kind of thing happens. <laughs> of like, course, it happens all the I'm time. And it's like their agent or their whatever. I've, I've watched a couple Bucks games recently. Jabari looks great, and I mean, looks like his teammates like him. I don't, I don't see a problem there. But right. but maybe that's a good policy decision on the Bucks. Locker room front. Just a quick, concrete punishment. You know, quick and easy. Yeah. Uh, I hope I hope, I hope, hope the team, I hope Duke gets it together. I hope the freshmen buy in on a team level. Um, and I, I really hope to see defense on Monday, which is short turnaround. We're going to be at Notre Dame, at Notre which, Dame. which is just a prolific offense. Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. We've never beaten them at Notre Dame since they joined the ACC. Mike Bray. I'm not anticipating winning this game. But, but I'd love Why it. Not? I'd love it if we did. If if we did, I mean, I, I think our expectations, you know, season trajectory would change a bit. How good is Dennis Smith, by the way? I've only seen that one game, and <laughs> he looked phenomenal. And and uh, they were saying that he's he's hurt. They were saying he, was, he almost came to Duke. He was going to come with. Oh, because they're all boys. They're all boys. Yeah, yeah. Tatum. Giles and he Dennis said Smith. he said he said my best friends are Giles and Tatum. Yeah, <laughs> but guess what? He wants to be the man. He want he wanted to. I mean, I'm sure there are yeah, reasons. There's no way he's getting 20 shots a game at uh, at Duke. I do wonder uh, in general, and I know we should. We're gonna wrap this up. Part of the lack of cohesiveness with the team, besides the injuries, besides the coaching, is. Coach K, and hopefully Coach K is going back pretty soon. Um, part of it is just too many good players, and yes. there's there's like not a it's natural. The, it's the jigsaw puzzle. The jigsaw puzzle, but you, how can you figure it out? There's overlapping skill sets. I felt like Luke Kennard was too differential. I feel like Frank Jackson, like for a few games there, I feel like Frank Jackson in general is too differential, and. Jason Tatum's a little too bold, right? And yeah, how do you make that perfect? I mean, what is perfect then? Coaching. It's about coaching. I I feel like only we should go either or. We shouldn't have both Luke and Grayson on the floor at the same time. 
their skill sets overlap too much. I think Frank should start. It should be Frank, Luke, Matt Jones, Tatum, and Emil. Give bring Bolden and Giles off the bench. Give them like fifteen minutes each, and and Grayson can play. You know, twenty five minutes coming off the bench. I I think that would up our defense. I I felt like, you know, for you know we we keep revisiting uh, Matt Jones. How good is he defensively against Dennis Smith Jr., who obviously is an insanely good offensive player? Like he didn't look good. Of course not. I at some point like maybe switch Frank Jackson. I mean Frank's. Pretty good laterally. Yeah, he's I would very think, quick. I would, I would think Frank Jackson would give. Dennis like, Smith I, I understand Frank. Dennis Smith is amazing. Like, no one's. Yeah, gonna, no one's. Yeah, no one's. It's no like it's like Batty on, on Kobe. Like, how good can you be on him? Even though you get a lot of credit for it. At some point, if Dennis Smith has has scored like twenty four points in the game, maybe we should switch up. Let's let's stick Frank Jackson on him. See see if that changes anything. I would have been fine with Tatum Tatum taking a shot at him. I don't know if Tatum's quick enough. Well, nobody's quick enough, but. Yeah. At least Tatum could bother him on shots, you know. But, um, but, yeah, no, I think it's a good point. I'm not sure who the starting lineup should be, what it should be, but I do know, I do think the offense should run through Luke Kennard more because when he has the ball in his hands, the defense has to react. and Just cre- we, creates opportunities for others. And if you notice in the first half today, they, they weren't the setting ball. enough screens for him. In the second half, they started setting more screens. Um, Like, that's such a dominant offensive area of efficiency that that should create other things. And uh, I think it it should all flow from there. Um, I do like that Capel isn't playing guys 40 minutes a game. Uh, He is some. I saw Matt Jones play. (laughs) played almost 40 minutes a couple of times. Shot one for ten, one for eight from three. Yeah, I think think Matt Jones shooting is... Clearly, he's a fraud. (laughs) <laughs> Shooting wise, he's just a flat out fraud on the offensive end. I mean, would it surprise you to know he's he's shooting a higher percentage from three than Grayson Allen this year? Uh, he won't be after last night's game is incorporated into the stats. He won't. It hasn't been updated. Oh, okay, perhaps not. Okay, but who would you prefer shooting the three? I test. Uh, good question. I mean, I mean, the fact that you're thinking about this, losing respect for you. Well, I think Matt Jones takes uh, generally more high quality three, more wide open threes. He, he has an unorthodox shot. It was like the way I shot in junior high school, off the chest. You know, Grayson Allen has a textbook three point shot. Textbook. Yeah, I mean, they they shoot a similar percentage over their career arc, so. Yeah. No, if numbers don't mean anything to you, and it's a clear decision, it should be Grayson. Yeah, okay. Who, who, who's a better free throw shooter? Uh, well, What's Matt Jones' free throw shooting percentage? I, I do like Grayson's stroke better. Yeah. I agree, but... What's Matt Jones' free throw shooting percentage career? Uh, it's in the 60s. So what is it exactly? Do you know? I don't. ESPN doesn't... I'm looking at the ESPN page. They, they don't have the, the total career. Oh. They have each year. 56%, 71%, 73%, 60 oh, So he's 70%. around 70. He's uh, around 70. Yeah, he's close to 70. Yeah, it's okay. Matt Jones is a good shooter. He's he's decent. He's a good shooter, but when you're asking him to guard the best team and the other player, when you don't sub him out, yeah. you know, I've, I've noticed Matt Jones tends to hit shots right at the beginning of the game and right at the beginning of the second half. Uh that's got to be selective memory. 
Might be, but it might be that uh, players shoot better when they're when their their legs aren't tired because three point shooting, a lot of that comes from legs. Yeah. Uh, same with free throws. Anyhow, we'll uh, we'll argue about Matt Jones and Grayson Allen more uh, next week. At, I don't think we're going to record after the Notre Dame game. I got the newborn to right. We'll take wait care of. for we'll wait for the, the following week, the following weekend, and uh, for all those of you out there that have been waiting and dying for this latest episode of Duke Basketball Junkies, uh, I'll take responsibility for there not being one last weekend or uh, during during the week because the we had the baby, had the baby. Happy to report the baby's healthy, mom's healthy. I'm done. I'm going to retire from. Uh, from from bringing, re- reproduction, bringing more kids. four is enough to the world. Yeah, you know, between the two of us, we average two, and so we're we're normal, right on pace. Yeah, you working on that at all? Are we are we gonna you working on taking any first steps towards? I don't talk about my private life. <laughs> that's what I, that's public what I, podcast. All right, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, quick quick shout out to uh, Northwestern, third in the Big Ten. Chris Collins, seventeen and four, high likelihood of making the tournament, first first time ever. Huh. And quick shout out to Wojo, Wojo big for taking win. down Big Bad Villanova. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah, see, those guys can coach. I think we miss Wojo on the staff. You know, talking Wo- about def- Wojo was our big man's coach. Well, you think he'd be working with Marquise Bolden on absolutely post moves and Wojo is a defensive force without you know without all the physical tools you want in a great defensive player. He won Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, look at who's on our staff. John Shire, Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith is a pretty good defender. Uh, Nate James is a good defender. But I think we we kind of have a young staff. Jeff Capel. It's always guard-heavy. Our our staff is always guard-heavy. Yeah. You know, it's a gut-check time for them, for the whole staff, the whole whole team. Uh, Figure out the defense. And you know what? If you can't play man, figure out a zone you can play. But one way or another, I, I, thought, I thought our zones have looked really bad. Really bad. I like that. Like it's almost like, why are you doing it? They, it's so bad. Like these they're, kids, they're just, these kids play basketball their whole lives. They're just always. How do they not know a basic two-three zone or right, three-two zone? They're just always like just, you know, scrambling to to get to the man with the ball, and it seems like they haven't even practiced it. It just seems like, did you have you guys even practiced the zone? They, they must practice it, looks, it, but... It looks so ineffective. I just don't think they're communicating well with each other on defense, and... Yeah. You know, my opinion is still the same. They, they're they over-aggressive guarding the ball handler on the pick-and-roll. They always, like, hedge out. They put two Too guys... Far. Yeah. And the, the screener rolls to the basket or rolls... Like, today, the guy set a screen and rolled out to the three-point line. Just nobody went with him. <clears throat> over and over again, it seems to happen. Or, you know, if even if it only happens 30% of the time... You just can't leave a guy that open to go to the basket or to shoot a three. You know, that's what they want. That's that's the number one result that they want. And sometimes, even when they do hedge out with two guys, the guy splits the screen. You know, like that. That's happened three or four times. It's just it's just solid fundamental defense that you know should make you wonder about our coaching staff. One, I wonder about the coaching these guys had in the on the AAU circuit that they're. That they're McDonald's All Americans, potential lottery picks, and just seem completely lost on defense quite often. You know, Jason Tatum's good at making like a highlight play on both ends of the court, but but there's some fundamental 
decision making that's lacking. I think Frank Jackson is pretty good defensively. I'd yeah. like to see him more. Yeah, but, but he got we'll beat see. too often. They're all getting beat too often. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. And yeah, we'll see. All right. Guess we'll see you next time. Uh, don't even bother sending us emails. We're not reading them. <laughs> and uh, Twitter, Twitter's done. We're gonna update the Twitter. I don't have time for it. You're not into it, so. Uh, but you can you can keep listening right here on iTunes on Stitcher. Tell your friends about us too. Yeah, do us a favor. <laughs> tell some people. You know, if you if you if you have a Twitter account and anyone follows you, tell them how how awesome and how stupid this podcast is. And uh, you know, whether you like us or hate us, just talk about us. That's a win. Because uh, no one else is. <laughs> but we're having fun doing it. Uh, and it's a good distraction tonight. I got out of uh, newborn newborn late Jeez. night duty. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'll still have my sanity next week when we, when we talk. Okay. All right, man. Thanks for listening. And go Duke. Yeah, go Duke. I see you, brother. Thank you.